We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Matthew chapter 6. Now, I intended to bring to you a message this morning solely on worrying and why we shouldn't worry. But as I began to study the scriptures that I had in mind, I realized that there was actually much more there than I thought. And I really believe, church, that it was the Holy Spirit that led me to this something more. And this message that I'm going to share with you this morning, it still has a lot to do with worrying, but the context of the scriptures that I felt led to contain much more than that. You see, I was going to come from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, that say, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. But as I studied, I realized that verses 25 through 34 could not be properly understood detached from verses 19 through 24. You see, all of these verses, 19 through 34, they encapsulate Jesus' teaching on a broader subject. It's one of the main points in His Sermon on the Mount, which we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And this section on worry and anxiety is really connected to what he's talking about in verses 19 through 24. The first clue is that in verse 25, the first word is, therefore. And any student of the Bible knows that when you see the word, therefore, you have to ask, what is it there for? Because it is connected to the previous verses. And so as I begin to study, what I found is that in the proper context, these verses on worry actually deal with our relationship to money and possessions. I thought for a minute, Pastor Brian was going to preach my sermon, actually. So we're in sync. Now, I know that everyone loves for a pastor to preach about money. So I know that you're really excited this morning. It's okay to laugh. I won't be offended, I promise. But I intended to bring you a message on worry. But I have to tell you what the scripture says, right? That's my job. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit led me to this. And so I want to equip you this morning and prepare you by giving you the full truth. I don't want to shortchange you, to use a bad pun about money there, this morning. I want to tell you the truth. So I want to know how many people here are this morning are excited about digging into the truth of God's word. Amen. About a few of you. All right. We're getting there. We're warming up just a little bit. Guys, remember me. You know who I am. You know where I'm from. All right. You're going to have to give me a little bit more feedback this morning. All right. I need a little something more. We can do this. So, so if you want to know what the Bible actually says here, then I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I want the truth. And then I want you to look back at them, and in your best Jack Nicholson voice, I want you to say, you can't handle the truth. 
I'm just kidding. So this morning, I'm going to share with you a message that I've entitled, A Tale of Two Treasures. I want you to pray with me this morning before we dive into the scripture. Father, we need your help this morning. Lord, truly, God, we need your anointing. Father, I need you to help me convey the truth of your word. Father, and I pray that you would open up our minds to understand the truth of your word. And then open up our heart and give us the passion and the desire to do what it says. Let it go from the head to the heart. Make the full circuit, God, so that it will make the change in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. So, we're going to look at the scripture. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. And, and as I told you, I was going to start with verse 25. It says there, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Well, as I told you, it actually starts with therefore. So we go back up to verse 19. And let's see what Jesus is really talking about here. Verse 19, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat. And rust destroys. And where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust cannot destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is. There the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp. That provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy. Your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The word there actually, the original word is mammon. That is why I tell you. All right, so you see the connection there? Or therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothes. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries today. Today's trouble is enough for today. So. When we look at these scriptures, what we see are four sets of two. There are two treasures, two eyes, two masters, and two concerns. One of these treasures, one of these eyes, masters, concerns, is heavenly. 
the other is worldly. And our decision between the two will make all the difference in our lives. And I'm going to show you this morning how choosing the right one is going to free you. It's going to free me from useless worry and anxiety. Amen. So let's break this down section by section. The first thing that we see are two treasures. There's earthly treasure and there's heavenly treasures in verses 19 through 21. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Because one is temporary and the other is eternal. It's that simple. Right? Anything that you store up in this life, no matter how much you get, no matter how great it is, you're not taking it with you. And I don't care if you have a living trust written out. You don't really know what your kids are going to do with it after you're gone. You might think little Johnny is a good boy and he would never sell the farm, but you just don't know. You don't really know. And really, you shouldn't even be worried about it because that's not the point of this life. It's not to lay up treasures here on earth and and these things that we can hold with our hands that we won't be able to hold on to forever. We've all heard the joke, right? You never see a U-Haul following a hearse, right? It'd be the most ridiculous thing that you've ever seen. See, but if you invest in the kingdom of God, if you lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, you are making an investment that is secure, that cannot be destroyed. It cannot be taken. You cannot lose it. Who wouldn't make that investment? Who wouldn't invest in something so secure? But it's not as easy as that, is it? Why? Because one is tangible and the other is spiritual. It's easy to invest in what you can see and what you can feel, what you can put in your hand. That's easy. But anything that comes easy leaves easy, right? Anything that comes hard, it's worth the while. It'll stay. Yeah, it's easy to invest in the things of this life. But we all know deep down inside, every one of us knows, that the investment into our relationship with God and our investment into people and into the kingdom of God is what really matters. We know that, but oftentimes we don't do it because it's not quick. It's not easy. It's not tangible. That's much harder. But I promise you, my friend, that though it's much harder, it's much more value. It's infinitely more valuable. And you are laying up for yourself a treasure that cannot be destroyed and it cannot be taken. One is acquired without faith and the other is acquired only with faith. That's another reason that makes earthly possession so easy and heavenly possessions harder is because one is required without faith and the other only with faith. But the result of faith, church, the result of faith and investing in heavenly treasure is a God who is pleased with us, right? Because we know the scripture says without faith, it is impossible to please God. But when we put our faith in him and we trust that the work that we do for him will not be lost. We have a God who is pleased with us and we are rewarded with a treasure in heaven. And here's the best part. If our treasure is in heaven, then we can know that we'll end up there too. Why? Because Jesus said, wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Whatever you treasure 
Your heart will follow. Your passion, your excitement, your energy. That's what you're going to give to. Whatever it is that you treasure. Craig Rochelle says in his leadership podcast that what we value is not defined by what we say, but by what we do. I hear a lot of people say that, you know, God's first in my life. You know, church is important. Family, they, they come first. Why? Because it's socially acceptable to say those things. But I'm not listening to what people say. I'm watching what people do. I'm watching what I do. I'm checking my life. I'm checking my heart. Yeah, I can say that the kingdom of God is most important and that my family is most important and that people are most important. But does my life match what I say? Do I live my values that I profess? Because what we say we value doesn't matter unless we back it up with our life. My grandpa Hughes told me a story one time of an estate sale that he went to in Pine Bluff of a notoriously wealthy man. He said, man, everybody was there for several counties because it was well known that this guy had a lot of money and he had a lot of great stuff. And his family decided to have an estate sale and liquidate his estate. And so everybody came out because they knew we're going to get some really good stuff for cheap because the family's trying to get rid of it, right? My grandpa said he went, everybody was there. He went through, found a few things, purchased a few things. He said, but what struck him was, is that as he was leaving, he thought it only took about three or four hours to totally dismantle what it took this man his entire life to gain. Psalm 39, five through seven says, behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Sila. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather it. What do you treasure this morning? Where are you laying up treasure? Do your values, do the values that you profess match up with the way you live? Then Jesus moves on to talk about a good eye and a bad eye. And really what he's doing is he's using a physical reality, a physical illustration to teach a spiritual truth as he often did. If you have a good and a working eye, then it allows light to come in. And because of the light, you can see everything that is around you. It is a good eye. So your whole body is filled with light. But if you have a bad eye, if your eye literally doesn't work, then you are blind. You are in darkness. You see, if our eye is good when it comes to money and possessions, meaning that if we see money and possessions, material things, the way that God sees it, then we are generous. We're not overly concerned with these things because we see it how God sees it. We know that it's temporary. We know that it's a means to an end. Therefore, our entire consciousness concerning money and possessions is full of light. It's full of goodness. But if our eye is bad, that means that we do not see these things as God sees them. 
And we become greedy and we become selfish and self-centered and we become focused on material things. Therefore, our consciousness is filled with darkness. Some of us need to undergo what I call the Scrooge effect. What do you think of when I say the word Scrooge? Greedy, right? Old, mean, miser, selfish, money hungry. But why is it that we only remember the bad about Ebenezer Scrooge? Because actually that's not how the story ends. It actually ends well. He changes, right? He undergoes the Scrooge effect. He goes from being this old, nasty, old, mean miser to this hilariously generous person that's just running through the street, giving money to the poor. His heart overflowing with love and generosity because he had a change of heart. He went from a bad eye to a good eye. He saw the light. Some of us come to church every week. And when it comes to this particular topic, we have not seen the light. We still have a bad eye. It doesn't necessarily mean that we don't love God. But when it comes to this subject of money and possessions, we have a bad eye. We can't see it for what it really is. We're blind and many of us, we don't even realize it. We need to undergo the Scrooge effect because you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon, as Jesus said. You see, mammon was a Semitic word that means money or material possessions, something that's desired because of its value. Really, mammon could be compared to the spirit of materialism. And Jesus says that you cannot serve two different masters that have two totally different objectives and goals for your life. It's impossible. You'll either love the one and hate the other, be devoted to one and reject the other. You have to make a choice. This is not an issue that we can ride the fence on. And I think that it's so natural that these are the verses that segue right into the section on worrying and anxiety. It makes perfect sense because if you serve the right master, you have no need to worry. If you serve God, if you lay up treasure in heaven, if you have a good eye, if God is your master, then you have no need to worry. But if you serve mammon, if you are concerned with money and materialism, if it is your master, you'll always be worried because your heart is centered on something that you can't control and you can't keep. No wonder you're up late at night worried all the time. Because your heart is for something that it was never meant to be for. You've put these things on the throne of your heart. You've dethroned God and put money on the throne of your heart. And that's why you have anxiety. That's why you're tore up inside. That's why you're, you're worried about all of these things. That's why you're living outside of your means. That's why you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's why you think you have to have all these things that you don't really need. Because mammon is your master. Finally, in verses 25 through 33, Jesus talks about two different concerns. There are selfish concerns and there are kingdom concerns. 
Selfish concerns make us narrow-minded and selfish and stressed out. They make us worried, which is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Worried about things that we shouldn't be worried about. While the other makes us peaceful and trusting. And Jesus said, if you don't believe me, then just look at the birds of the air. You don't see a bird with a tiller out in the ground, tilling up the dirt, walking and dropping seed. You don't see birds building barns to store their food. You don't. He said, look, look at the, the lilies of the field. They're not making clothes for themselves. They're like, boy, we better get to work making these petals. How are we going to get dressed? How are we going to look good? Jesus is saying that creation itself teaches us that God has already thought of what we need and built it in for us. It's provided. See, selfish concerns are what people without God spend their life worrying about. Food, clothing. Vain pursuits, entertainment. But kingdom concerns are what people who follow God spend their life thinking about and worrying about, being concerned about. Because one is temporary and of little value, and the other is eternal and of infinite value. And Jesus ends with a common sense conclusion in verse 34. He said, so don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Common sense. Something that we often forget is that we're not promised tomorrow. Control is an illusion. You're not in control. You know, the poor people who've been swept away in these floods... The day before it happened, didn't think, I better get my affairs in order because tomorrow I'm going to get swept away by a flood. People that endure tragedies of all different kinds, sickness, illness, sudden death. They didn't know what was coming. We don't know what's coming. Only thing we know that's coming is eternity and Jesus. (laughs) That's coming and that we can be sure of, but we don't know when or how. So live Right now, be alive in this moment. Be excited about what is right in front of you and seize the day. My daughter, Sophie, she seizes the day every day. (laughs) I told her, I'm going to write a children's book about you. It's going to be called Sophie Seizes the Day. It's going to teach children to be proactive. Nobody seizes the day more than Sophie. She lives in the moment. Yesterday at my brother's 18th birthday down in Star City, got a crawfish boil, cooked hamburgers, cake, ice cream, chips, Cokes, of which she gets very little because I'm trying to be a good parent. But she had, I think, about four bags of chips, three Cokes, a big piece of cake. It was a Razorback cake, and she made her aunt cut out the hog snout right out of the middle of the cake, and they did it for her because Sophie has a way of getting people to do what she wants them to do And she had ice cream. Did I say that? And then in the car on the way home, she said, my my belly hurts. 
<laughs> wonder why. But Sophie seizes the day. She lives in the moment. She's not thinking about what's coming tomorrow. Right now, she's back there wearing somebody out, having a good time, seizing the day. You know, we really should live like that because we don't know what's coming tomorrow. Love God now. Respond to his drawing in your heart today now. Love your family and your friends and the people around you now. Don't wait. Seize the day. Many of you know the famous poem by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. Most of us had to recite it in high school. At the very end of the poem, he says, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I love poetry, by the way. But on our life's journey, two treasures diverge just like the two trails in the woods can't take both of them which one will we choose that's up to us that's up to you but no matter which one you choose I know one thing is true it will make all the difference in the life that you'll live in closing I share one more story And I've shared this story many times here. So for the sake of you who've heard it and because of its relevancy to this moment, please bear with me. As my dad's life was drawing to an end, in his final 24 hours, we had one last conversation. And he looked at me intently and he told me, son, spend your time loving God and people. They're the only two things that last forever. He's right. Simple, but profoundly true. Nothing else lasts. Nothing. None of this. Not this building. Not this city. Not this state. Not this world. It will not last. But God will. And we will. So this morning we've talked about two kinds of treasures, two ways of seeing, two masters, two concerns, and we have a choice to make. Our lives will be the tale of two treasures. No matter which one you choose, it will make all the difference. The result of one is worry and useless anxiety over the things that you can't keep. The other is peace and trust and an assurance and a promise from a God who cannot lie for a treasure that will last for all of eternity. So it's time to respond to this word this morning. I want you to stand with me. And I want to ask the question, as our pastoral staff that are available and any of our prayer team members that are available, if you would please come and stand across the front and get ready to pray with people today. I want to ask this question. Is it possible that in this moment, the Spirit of God is opening your eyes to the truth and you didn't even realize until now that you couldn't see? But at this moment, you do. You realize it. If you are here today and you're a person that 
has never given your life to Jesus, you've never repented and turned away from your sin and put your faith in him and confessed that he is Lord and Savior, then I'm going to invite you to join us in just a little bit when this song plays. I'm going to invite you to come down here and find one of us and let us pray with you. Don't wait. Don't put it off. If you walk away from here today, whether you're someone who needs salvation or whether you're someone who's been blind to the truth about this subject that we've talked about today, if you walk away today, the light may go out. Your eye may become bad again. And who knows when your eyes will be opened again? Who knows when the Spirit of God will move on you and allow you to see things as they really are? And you know it's true because today you realize how long it's been since you were able to see the truth. So I'm telling you today to surrender your life to God. Turn away from your sin and put your faith in Jesus. Choose today for the believer Choose today the right treasure. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because at the end of your life, it comes down to what do you treasure? Do you treasure Christ and his kingdom or do you treasure yourself? The proof is in what we do. So what do you invest in? What are you investing in? Take an inventory right now in your heart. Examine your life. Where does your money go? How do you spend it? Your time. Your heart, your passion, your energy, your emotions. What are you investing them in? Is it in things that will last forever? Is it in God? Is it in His kingdom? Is it in your family? Is it in your church family? Is it in the people around you? Your skills. We all have skills, gifts, and abilities. How are you using them? Of course you have to use them to make a living. But when it comes to the kingdom of God and and the church of Jesus Christ, are you using them to help the church and your influence? How are you using your influence? For your own kingdom or for Christ's kingdom? We're going to pray this morning. As they lead us in this song, I invite you to move out where you are. If you need prayer, if you need Jesus, come and pray with us and we will lead you in a prayer of salvation. If you want to pray privately, I understand that. The altars are on the sides or you can make a place of prayer right there in your seat. But whatever you do, I pray that you respond honestly to this word today.